Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Isaiah 57, online, we love you. Glad you're a part of church this morning. Thanks for being a part of it, dialing in. Hitting the dial-up button. That's what it says, Isaiah 15, sorry, 57 verse 14. It says, and it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up. It's something awesome to behold on a Sunday morning, that God is high and lift it up. Who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. This is what the Lord says, as I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you that it always speaks life into us. Father, we thank you that it's not words on the pages of some book. Lord, this is your breath on a page. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal things to us in God's holy word today, that you would show us things we've never seen before, that you would open stuff up that we've never imagined before, that we would walk out of here changed by your word, nourished by your word, blessed by your word. So, Father, we thank you for that, and we pray, as we always do for Colonial Kids, the next generation, Lord, thank you that they can experience that same life change themselves in Colonial Kids, in Jesus' name. And we all said? Amen. Amen. Arthur Malcolm Stace was born on the 9th of Feb, 1885, in Sydney, Australia. He was the fifth child of his family, and it was a family of alcoholics. Life was hard at that time. Life was rough. He was born into poverty. As the story goes, he started resorting as a boy to stealing bread and milk, scouring trash cans to eat. And at the age of 12, with not a day of schooling under his belt, he went and worked in a coal mine. And pretty quickly, it was worked out that he was too young, and so he became a ward of the state. As a teenager, he quickly fell into the same addiction that riddled his family. He became an alcoholic himself, and in his 20s, he began to work as a scout for inner-city brothels and inner-city gambling rings. Until the age of 32, while working as a laborer on a job site, he got enlisted and went to war. He joined the war effort. In the Australian Imperial Force, he carried a stretcher in the war, and after a severe illness on the battlefield, he was medically discharged. He returned home to Australia in 1919, back into addiction, back into the same rhythms, the same practices. And then 11 years later, on the 6th of August, 1930, 
Arthur happened upon a church service at the St. Barnabas Church in Broadway, not far from where he was born. He wasn't there for church. He was there to get a rock cake. Which, to translate for people in America, is a loaf of bread. A lot of you are like, what? He was there because the church gave out loaves of bread to the homeless. And it was a Wednesday night Bible meeting that night, and there was sort of a semi-revival going on at the time. There were three or four hundred men that were in attendance that night, sitting in the hall. So Arthur came to get his rock cake, but then he stayed and sat in the back of the service. He listened to the message. He encountered God in church. He said that he didn't give his life to the Lord in the service. It wasn't until he was walking home that he stood under a Morton Bay fig tree and got down on his knees and cried out to God in the middle of the night, God, have mercy on me for I'm a sinner. Save me. And in that moment, Arthur's natural life came to an end and he began his spiritual life, although he was still there, obviously. And just a few miles from the very place where he began his natural life, his spiritual life, his real life began, Arthur was radically saved. Then two years later, he was at the Burton Street Baptist Tabernacle. And there was an evangelist at that time called John Ridley who was going about preaching. Some people say that he's the greatest evangelist that ever came out of Australia. John Ridley was preaching a message. And Arthur was there, and the message title was The Echoes of Eternity. And the fervency by which he preached and the urgency by which John Ridley brought the word captured Arthur. And these words he remembered, and I'm going to put them up on the, the screen behind me. He said, and he screamed out, Eternity, Eternity, how I wish that I could shout that word to everyone in the streets of Sydney. You've got to meet it. Where will you spend eternity? And that very day, in that very moment, Arthur got his burden and his purpose to get that word eternity to the streets of Sydney. And therefore, it's people. It would become his ministry. It would become his service to God. The message eternity, the message was eternity and the mission field was the streets of the city of Sydney. But there was a problem. There was one issue. Arthur had never been to school. He never learned how to read. He didn't even know how to write his own name. But somehow, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to write one word, this word. And in perfect copper plate writing, he could write the word eternity. For the next 35 years, Arthur would wake up at 4 a.m. in the dark by himself and he would go to the, the, city, the city streets. He'd go to the pavement entryways. He'd go to the, to the railway entrances where he knew uh, floods of people would come into work every day. He would go to the, the corners. He would even write on the sides of building and everyone would see the word eternity. It's estimated he wrote the word half a million times in 35 years. One man one word, and a massive impact. Everyone knew that word. Everyone had seen that word. Everyone was talking about eternity. Why? 
Why was so many, why was John Ridley captured by eternity that would lead him to preach a message called Echoes of Eternity? Why was it that Arthur Stace sat in a church service and was completely captured by this word eternity, this idea, this thought about eternity? Why would revival break out in Sydney because people were enchanted by seeing that word eternity? We know why, because it's in Ecclesiastes 3. In verse 11, King Solomon talked about it. King Solomon, of course, was the wisest person that's ever walked the earth. In fact, he was so amazing that God said to King Solomon, hey, I'm paraphrasing here, what do you want? And of all the things that King Solomon could have asked for, he said, Lord, these are your people. Give me wisdom to lead these great people of yours. And so God said, well, because you didn't ask for the life of your enemies, thank you. because you didn't ask for long life, because you didn't ask for wealth and possessions and all that stuff, and you asked for wisdom, you're going to get all of that, and I'm going to give you wisdom. King Solomon was the wisest man that has ever walked the earth, and this is what he says. In Ecclesiastes verse 10, he says, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, listen to it. He has put eternity into man's heart. In the New Living Translation, I love the way it says, it says he has planted eternity in the human heart. In other words, he's put the seed. Listen to me, he's put the longing. He's put the desire inside of every single person that's ever drawn breath on this planet, that he's drawing breath on this planet right now and everyone that ever will. Inside the human heart, God has planted eternity, a sense of longing, a sense of desire to know, a sense of, I wonder about eternity. There's a longing, there's a desire, there's a seed called eternity that's been planted in every human heart. So we're going to spend some time over the next five weeks talking about eternity, talking about eternal life and life in heaven through Jesus Christ. There's going to be some questions I believe God's going to answer for us through His Word in this series. Some of these questions you might have asked the Lord yourself and thought about and pondered over. They're going to be questions that I myself have asked that we see answered in the Word. But questions like this, what is heaven? What's heaven like? You ever wondered that? Who's in heaven right now? What happens when my life is over? Will I go to heaven? Here's a good one. Will I know people there? Will people I know here not be there? Are my loved ones that have gone on ahead of me, will they be there? What will we do when we get there? We're going to spend some time talking about eternity, talking about heaven, but I've got some homework for you, church. I'm going to be doing some work, but I need you to do some work as well. This is your homework. Bring people to church. Share my burden with the people in your world. Take a moment and think about some lost people in your world. I guarantee there are lost people in your world. You know lost people. Share my burden with them. Tell them I told them they need to come to church. <laughs> Say, my pastor, he just he said, You're, you need to be there. I don't know what it's about. My pastor's got an issue with you. He wants you to be in church. Use me. That's what I'm here for. 
My burden for this series is the same burden that Arthur Stace had. That we tell everyone about eternity. We tell everyone about eternity, as many people as we can. And we talk about heaven. Why? Because we can get into a rhythm in life where we get a little bit into the malaise, the mundane, the day-to-day. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Where we go through, we drop the kids off at school and we go through the motions and we do the thing and we get to what we need to get to and we go from Monday to, through to Friday and praise God, we make it into church on a Sunday and we go through life, but we don't think about eternity. And sometimes when we go to a memorial service or we think about a loved one, maybe we're in the middle of grief and I want to be sensitive to people that are maybe grieving right now, but I believe this will give you hope. But we need to be talking about eternity. We need to be talking about heaven. Far too much we talk about things that don't matter. Far too much we think about things that just don't matter. But in the scope of eternity, we need to talk about heaven. Because eternity is incredible. So that's the title of the series. We're going to be talking about it. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be looking at the scriptures for the truth about eternity and about heaven. Are you ready, church? You're excited? Point number one, write it down. Heaven is real. And we might take a moment and start broad, but there are some absolute truths that we need to visit before we go deeper. Because the, the, the enemy, he loves to work with ambiguity. He loves to work with, well, maybe not. Or have you thought about something else? But that's why we have God's word, because he, he knows that we need absolute truth. We need certainty. Can we live in a world 2022? Is there anyone with me? We need a bit of certainty. I don't want to work in ambiguities. God, I want what's real. Heaven is real. And we know this because when we open the first page in our Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Heaven really exists. One of my favorite Billy Graham quotes is this one. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And eternity is but a breath away. That's how vital it is. Think about how vital breath is. Think about how vital it is that we think about eternity. Eternity is but a breath away, just a breath. Heaven really exists. We know because we see it in the beginning of our Bibles. So at the beginning of this series, let's start at the beginning of creation. Creation testifies to the fact that heaven exists. You ever looked up at the stars and wondered? Man, sometimes I find myself in creation. Just the other day, it was a little cooler this week, and I was walking down the street with my dog, and it was early in the morning. What is it about dogs wanting to get you up early? It's like, don't you have a watch? I was up there just as the sun was coming up, and I'm actually grateful for it because of what I got to experience. But it's one of those days, there was some fog just over the, over the street, over the grass, and I just stopped, and I was just arrested by the beauty in the moment. And I thought to myself, and I prayed, God, is this what heaven is like? How beautiful this is. But there's a longing inside that we ask these questions. Well, we've got to understand heaven is real. Yeah. You ever been somewhere really peaceful, enjoying creation and thought to yourself, this is like heaven. 
This is heavenly. Jesus confirmed everything we already read in Scripture. In Matthew 6, he says, as he's teaching us to pray as believers, as Christians, he said, pray like this. In verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not as it might be. Not as it hopefully is. He says, as it is. The Son of God giving us perfect certainty, perfect clarity. Heaven is real. Online, can I just say it to you? Heaven is real. Heaven is real. Point number two. Heaven is where God is. I like the biblical definition. One of the biblical definitions for heaven is this. Heaven is the area where God and spiritual beings reside distinct from earth, which is our current reality. Heaven is God's abode. Heaven is God's residence. I had this thought I wrote down. I just thought, you know, God lives at number one, heavenly lane, heaven. That's his address. But that's where God lives. This is where God is. It's his residence. It's his home. It's his abode. And this is going to make sense soon. But Isaiah 45 and verse 11, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him, ask me of things to come. With you command me concerning my children and the work of my hands. Look at this, verse 12. I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens. And I commanded all their hosts. Heaven is where God is. Heaven is where God is. Isn't it interesting that sometimes we forget this? We forget that that's actually where God is, even when we pray to God. You ever thought about this? Sometimes we pray and it's like, God, you're right here with me. And God lives in our hearts and the Holy Spirit is with us. But God the Father, what we pray here on earth is in heaven. That's where he is. That's where he lives. God created earth. He created man on it. But he lives in heaven and God as we read, as we pray, who is in heaven, it's where God lives. Isaiah 57, 15, our text off the top. Look at it in the New Living Translation. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity. The holy one says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed of the humble and I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. It's his habitation. It's where God the Father is. It's where he lives. It's where. So why wouldn't we want to know what it's like? Why do we forget about it? Why do we, why do we skip over it? Why don't we take more time to talk about it? Why don't we think on it more? Why don't we consider it more? I personally, I just want to dream more about what heaven's going to be like. And let the scriptures form what it is in my mind. And let the Holy Spirit capture my imagination and take me there in prayer. And I get to sit there and I get to wonder about how beautiful and wonderful heaven is. But 
But why? Because that's where God is. And that's where, as we're going to learn, we can also be too. Heaven is God's abode. Heaven is where God is. He's created it. It's distinct from this place. And it's where God is. It's where he resides. It's where your father in heaven is right now. One of the reasons I believe that we don't talk about heaven enough is because we've deviated from scripture as a society. Universalism has crept into so much of society and you start to hear things, well, you know, it's all going to work out in the end. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You know the old saying, all roads lead to Rome, not when it comes to heaven. And we need to be talking about heaven. We need to be unapologetically unashamed of what the Word of God says in this time. We've got to be willing to stand on the Word of God and say, this is what heaven is. It is real. It's where God is. Have you thought about eternity? There's far too many people out there trying to tell you what you should do with your life. We need to let the Word of God tell us what to do with our lives. Because heaven is real. Hell is real. And eternity is but a breath away. But heaven is where God is. That's why we need to fall in love with heaven. That's why we need to talk about heaven because that is where God is. That's point number two. And point number three, heaven is where Jesus came from. Can I get an amen? Heaven, it's where God, he created earth. He created heaven. That's where he is. That's where, that's where we can find God. That's where we'll go and spend eternity with God through Jesus Christ. That is where God is. But we've got to understand something today. It's where Jesus came from. Those three points this morning, can I just encourage you, if you are looking for something to meditate on right now, those three points will take care of you for about two months. Heaven is real. You spend a lot of time on that. Two, heaven is where God is right now. That's where he lives. That's where he exists. But three, heaven is where Jesus came from. Why? Because he came to get you. Because Jesus came to rescue humanity. Because Jesus stepped away from heaven for a time to inhabit earth, to take on the form of of human likeness so that we would have a savior. Jesus came from heaven. There's this passage of scripture in John chapter six. Jesus is speaking and he's, he's teaching and he's trying. This is one of those pivotal moments we see in John. In verse 31, Jesus starts and he starts talking about the Jewish fathers, how they ate manna from heaven says in verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. He said, don't, don't stop at Moses. <laughs> but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So they start thinking about bread. They start thinking about, well, that was a miracle and maybe there's more bread coming. Maybe this place is just going to turn into one big bakery. We're going to enjoy some bread. 
But then it gets real crazy because Jesus starts to declare some truth. He says in verse 33, For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So it shifts real quick. They're like, yeah, bread, loaf of bread, nice, warm, slice it up, great. And then it shifts to, no, Jesus is saying, no, that's me. I'm the bread. And not only am I the bread, I'm the one that came down. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. I'm the fulfillment of everything God has done. I am the beginning and the end. I am everything you will ever need. I came from heaven. And they just didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They were blown away. They were like, oh, little miracles of bread coming from heaven. Here's the truth this morning. Jesus doesn't just do miracles. He is the miracle. He is the miracle. You're going to look at Jesus that way. Yeah, Jesus is going to give you a whole lot for your life. There's going to be some breakthrough. There's going to be some provision. There's going to be some blessing. But let's never forget, it's not about that. It's about Jesus himself. It's about the fact that Jesus is the miracle. He's the one that we're enamored with. He's the one that we look to for our salvation. And everything else is a bonus. And then in verse 38, he says, For I have come down. There it is. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. One of the, way, the main reasons we need to talk about heaven is because it's Jesus' starting point. It's the miracle. He left heaven to come get us. He left heaven to come rescue you. He left heaven because he, you were worth leaving the 99. He came from heaven because he, he decided and he agreed with the Father that none shall perish, but everyone can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. But why? Why did Jesus come to bring eternal life? Because eternity matters. That's why. Eternity matters. And we can get so caught up in the day-to-day and the car we're driving and the things that we've got to get done this week and the boxes that we've got to tick and all of that stuff has some level of importance on some scale somewhere. But the most important thing to behold in this life is there is eternal life to come. And that through Jesus Christ, we can experience that eternal life. And your eternity matters to God. And God has deemed that through Jesus Christ, that He would be the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Your eternity matters. And so does everybody else's. Heaven is where Jesus came from. Because God thought your eternity matters. Praise God i got to finish my story about Arthur. So my man Arthur, who I've never met, but he's my, he's my man. We're going to spend some time in heaven hanging out. Eating some rock cake. It's actually really nice, by the way. I had it as a kid. It's good. But he was arrested dozens of times as he was doing his eternity copper plate script in the streets of Sydney. He was arrested dozens of times. He was never charged, but he was arrested. And every single time, this is what he said to the authorities. He said, I've been given special permission from a higher source to write this word. And every single time he was let go. And he would go on and he became this, he he was a phantom. No one knew who he was until later in life, someone worked it out in his church 
they saw him write the word and then they connected it to, to the word they've seen so many times all over the city. And they said to Arthur, hey, are you Mr. Eternity? And at the end of his life, he said, yeah, that's me. But he didn't, he didn't see himself as an icon or famous. He saw himself as an evangelist taking it to the streets. But after, he's, after he died, he became almost like a cultural icon. Some people say in the modern movement, he was the original graffiti artist. But he was just an evangelist. He had a word from God. He didn't care about fashion. He didn't care about, you know, culture. Arthur cared about heaven and eternity. And the city began to, to take on this, this sense of eternity, this, this, this thing that God was doing. And that was the post-war era and the country was starting to decline a little bit morally and it was built on the foundations of Christ. Don't let anyone else tell you that about Australia. It was built on the foundations of Christ, just like this country. But it started to decline and Arthur started to write eternity everywhere and it began to ready people's hearts. And then this guy called Billy Graham shows up in Australia in 1959. And they estimate 5% of the country got saved. Yes, Billy Graham. But Arthur Stace, eternity. He was readying. God was readying people. God was getting people ready by making them think about eternity. Why? Because eternity matters. And the best part for me was at the turn of the millennium, way after Arthur had gone on to eternity himself, what did the, the city of Sydney choose as the word that they would put on the Sydney Harbour Bridge in the year 2000? Check it out. Why? Because eternity matters. Would you stand with me? I pray that we would be people that understand the power of beholding what God has done. That we would remember that yes, this is a moment we live in and yes, we're really here and yes, we got decisions to make, but can I just encourage you, we can live our lives for eternity now. That we can be people that say, no, I do need to have that conversation. I do need to speak to that person. I do need to ready my heart myself. Why? Because Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. The Holy Spirit is here. We can be a part of eternity and the decisions we make can have an impact and an echo into eternity. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.